Hey there, chocolate lovers. If you'd like to watch the video version of this podcast, you can find it on our Craft Chocolate TV YouTube channel. Hello, this is Dylan from Manoa Chocolate, and today we're going to do something kind of fun. We are going to answer some of the YouTube questions. So, some of the questions that we thought were worth answering and interesting was, how do you know it's time to harvest? And this is pretty simple on the surface. The easiest way is obviously color. So it'll either turn from green to yellow or from, uh, you know, a maroonish color to this orangey sunrise look, which is really beautiful. Uh, the other way is you can scratch the pod and see if it's no longer green underneath. That's another indication. But ripeness is something that not a lot of people have a, a good um, idea of yet because true ripeness would probably correlate to the brick levels in the amount of sugar that's in the pulp. So that would be a better indicator. I've seen pods that look almost entirely green and they're perfectly ripe. So it's really difficult to say. It could look like it's not even fully ripe yet and you crack that pot open and all the seeds are germinating, which means they're way past ripe. A little tricky, but mostly over 90, 95% of the time, just looking at the color will tell you as well as scratching the pot and making sure it's not green underneath. So that is how you know if it's time to harvest or pick your fruit. Let's see. Do you purchase equipment from China? We have never purchased equipment from China. I know people who have. We tend to f go with the route of trying to purchase equipment from suppliers that will support us in the future. So you're also, when you purchase that equipment, you are also developing a relationship that's going to last. And you are going to need that relationship because all equipment breaks, whether it comes from China or Germany or America, it's going to break. I promise. <laughs> and you're going to need help oftentimes. And so you're going to want a good line of communication with whoever you're purchasing from. So we do not purchase from China. I'm sure there is decent quality equipment from there, but it's not the path we've ever gone. And from the people I've spoken to, it's not something that we want to do anytime soon. So equipment is very important in our business and we buy from reliable suppliers with good reputation. Sugar substitutes. You can definitely use sugar substitutes. Personally, I like sugar the best. It adds the most balance. It's the right amount of sweetness for me. But we have done chocolate for a private label account or somebody we made chocolate for in the past that was with monk fruit. Now with sugar substitutes, they tend to be very, very strong. It's way sweeter than sugar. So you got to use a fractional amount. I think the first time we tried, we, we thought we'd do like a 90% dark chocolate. That was way, way too sweet with that 10% of sugar. In fact, I think we went down to a fraction of 1% and it still had this odd sweetness that kicked in at the end. So personally, I don't like sugar substitutes so far. Um, Let's do the other one about sugar. Why don't we use powdered sugar? We haven't found that it speeds the process up that much. 
and the source of sugar that we use, we just get it in regular granulated sugar, organic cane sugar. It's from a company called Nativ in Brazil, and it's great. Okay, so the last question, what could you use besides a grinder? to make chocolate, uh, pretty much anything. You could smash it up with some rocks. And, and when I say smash it up, I mean nibs. So if you get cacao beans, you roast them, you deshell them, you have what we call the nib at this point, and you can smash that up and that is chocolate. Your teeth chewing that up are making chocolate. You could put it in a blender that would turn it into chocolate. And so it just depends on what level of texture you want. And that's why we are very happy with our equipment, which is in this case, uh, ball mills are what achieve such a nice uniform texture. You could use roller mills are the other way that you can get a really good texture. There are stone melangers that, that do decent texture. It's not going to be that comparable in, in my opinion, again, to a ball mill. We've looked at some studies. Dandelion chocolate did some great studies. You can look at the pictures in their book that they produced. And you can see the shape and particle distribution size from a roller mill, a ball mill, and a stone melanger. And the ball mill and the roller mill were far superior in that study. And so the ball mills for us are always been um, the best fit for our scale and size of chocolate making, as well as safety and price and efficiency, energy efficiency. There, there was a lot of reasons we went with ball mills. We did a lot of homework. So thanks for watching. Submit your questions and we'll look at doing this more often. Hi guys. If you enjoyed the podcast, we'd appreciate if you subscribe and give a review. This helps other chocolate lovers like yourself discover the podcast. Thanks for listening and have a great day.